Ladies and gentlemen, MuggleCast. Now that we have, whoa, it's kind of loud over there. Um, now we have that all sorted out. <laughs> like you kind of introduce ourselves. Of course, I'm Ben. I'm from MuggleNet. Um, got my start on the website a long time ago. It's been a great journey. This summer has truly been the best summer of my life. I've been on the road with these four people here for a long time. We've been to England. We've been to Southern California, Northern California, Ohio, everywhere. And, and I'm still not sick of them, which is... Pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That time. <laughs> so, who has seen the movie? <laughs> Some people still haven't. We're waiting. Wait for the oh, you're waiting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. What do you think? What do you think? It is a good idea to wait. But um, are you waiting to see it in IMAX especially? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. There's an IMAX on campus. No! <laughs> They're busting. I was going to move there. So I was going to transfer. Okay, that's pretty cool. So, there's only a week left, folks. Basically, a week until Deathly Hallows. A week and two days. Can you believe it? I mean, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. It's just... It's, like, it's, almost like it's, it's almost like it snuck up on us. I mean, it came out of nowhere. Next thing you know, there's only a week left until Harry Potter's over. It's kind of yeah, that, was a, that was a long couple years for me, then. Not sure about the whole sneaking up thing. No, I, I thought, I mean, I, I would rather have it be another two years before yeah. the next book. Yeah. I don't want this to end. Yeah. Do yourself, okay? <laughs> Do yourself. Are, are we happy now that it's going to be released? It's weird, yeah. though. It's weird. I mean, are, are some people happy? Yeah. I mean, you really can't complain. You are getting the final book, so it's not like, ah, uh, not the final book. But, can, you know. I don't know. I, looking back now, I don't know if I'd be able to wait another year. I Everything agree. would have been over now. The movie would have been out. We would have been sitting back at home. There would be nothing to do. And it, but it is weird that, you know, we've been going for 12 years, 11, 12 years, and now it's a week to go until it's all over. Most people can say they grew up with Harry Potter. Yeah. All of us, all of us can say that pretty much, right? So okay. we know why you guys are here. You want to talk about what's going to happen in the last book. So... They say, about, we, they say we might know something about that. I don't know. Something like that. We've, uh, we've thought about it a lot. Now, it's true. We don't have any, any inside information. There's nothing that we know that you don't know. We've just done a lot. We've spent a lot of time reading, rereading the books and you know, dissecting every word of every sentence and trying to figure out how it fits into J.K. Rowling's big mystery novel, which Harry Potter is part mystery. You guys would all agree on that. She likes to let us know what's going to happen in future books. So, without further ado, let's get into it. How about by a show of hands, who thinks Harry Potter is going to die in the next book? Good. Now, who thinks he's going to live? Who has no idea? Who doesn't care? See, sometimes we've got some honest people in the room. (laughs) Now, um, who here has a copy of MuggleNet.com's What Will Happen in Harry Potter 7? That's what I like to see. Um, so, he's so gonna live. Yeah. yeah. He's so gonna live. Come on. There's definitely, there's definitely a reason why the first chapter of the first book is titled The Boy Who Lived and not The Boy Who Died. <laughs> he has to die. Why? Why? Okay, if you've ever heard of the, like, whole... Like, Wrong. Sorry. 
Sorry, sorry, go on. I'm just kidding. Go on, go on. The hero's journey, like in Greek mythology and stuff, there's certain like things that a hero has to go through. And Harry Potter has passed through every single one, and the end is that he falls in the eyes of his own people. But. Um, it is, but but it's more than that. I mean, I take it from a sort of. If you look at Joe, she's spent how many years writing this book? And, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Years in the Yeah, she's been years in the making. The entire Harry Potter series has taken up, you know, two decades of her life. I, if I'd written, you know, a series that spanned that long, I couldn't kill my favorite character. I couldn't kill the person who everyone else loves as well. You know, there are like billions of Harry Potter fans in the world. Right. But the difference. But the difference is, is it something that. Regardless of whether or not Joe likes to kill Harry, of course she didn't like to kill Sirius and she didn't like to kill Dumbledore, but it was something that had to happen. Yeah, but there's now, could it be the case where she thought that Harry has to die? I mean, I'm not, I, I think he's going to live. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here. See what Jamie thinks. Do you really think that J.K. Rowling, we, we know she's had these books planned out from the beginning. So just, like, okay, just imagine that you're J.K. Rowling. Some of you may have done this before. <laughs> <laughs> imagine, go back in time, ten years. Now, you're, you're sitting on this train to Manchester. This is where you had the idea for the books. And even in a flash of inspiration, you know now how you are going to write the best-selling book next decade. It's going to be about a boy. Who dies. And then doesn't die. You make his life completely miserable, and then you kill him. Yeah! Yeah! Sounds cool to me. Yeah. Are you, well, I'm glad you're not writing the book then, Ben. I like to look at it from a marketing standpoint. Okay, because there's been a lot of speculation over this. You're a big fan of MSNBC, aren't you? Yeah. Keith Olbermann. Oh. Keith Olbermann did an excellent piece on uh, why Harry uh, should live. And he took it from a marketing standpoint. He said, can you imagine a Harry Potter theme park where the main character is going to be dead? Now, granted, I'm sure J.K. Rowling... Hold on, wait, let me finish. I, uh, she would do it in a way as such that it wouldn't be... I don't think it's going to be a negative thing. I think it's going... If she did decide to kill him, I think it'd be in the sense that like a sacrificial form where we all felt good about what he did. I mean, we're still... Wouldn't it be kind of depressing? Wouldn't it be kind of depressing to go walk around at the theme park and be walking around like someone's grave? You no, know, Harry died. Like, like, what are we doing here, guys? This is creepy. It would be like a library. There'd be a no-talking policy. Uh, Actually, I could, I could imagine, like, if Harry did die, there would be, like, a tribute to him somewhere. Like, a little, like, uh, a little tombstone. I'm just saying, it'd be nice. Yeah, I, was, I would be part of tribute. Yeah, I just want to do a little scope on something here. Um... Raise your hand if you cried when Sirius died. Thank you, yeah. Raise your hand if you cried when Dumbledore died. Raise your hand if you cry if Harry died. Of course. It's too much. It is. It's too much. Like, but why is it too much? Like, because, okay, although Sirius and Dumbledore were obviously very important characters, one was Harry's godfather, one was his mentor, you know, the whole wizard, you know, old person who always helps the hero. Um, it's just like... They are important characters because they help him along his journey, but it's his journey and his burden to bear alone. So, like, I just could not see him dying, ever. Ever? Yeah, ever. I mean, ever. <laughs> ever? <laughs> ever. He can't die. It's just, he's too cool. Kind of like Jamie. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good reason, too. But also, I mean, when you think about what J.K. Rowling, throughout these books, she's always she's made very, very clear in every interview and throughout the books that it's the importance of the choices that you make is far more important than your abilities. So what kind of moral message would J.K. Rowling be sending if she killed off Harry after Harry has done nothing but be a good, well, true, loyal, and um, honest I'd, friend? I'd say that um, it would, you know, it could, she could do it in like a sacrificial thing, like you said, you know, where he dies to save someone else. So her books do have, you know, intense moral messages in them. 
uh, you know, the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, that kind of thing. So, like, I can understand why she would do it from that point of view, but he's not going to die, so... Well, you have to take... But also, yeah, also, you have to take into account the Drew Sparks factor, is what I've named it. Um, Emerson has a brother who is eight years old, okay? And he likes Harry Potter quite a bit, and he's read all of the books, and there's some younger fans here in the crowd, and... I just couldn't imagine the look on his face if yeah. Harry died. I mean, the post the post Potter depression would be incredible. I mean, it's already gonna be pretty bad as is, but imagine if the main character died. And Emerson made a good point about how you take two characters like Harry and Draco or Harry and Voldemort, and their choices they grew up in similar situations, but the choices that they made have been different. And for J.K. Rowling to punish Harry again, you know, his parents have died, his godfather died, his I mean, his uh, Dumbledore died, and his Dumbledore died. Well, I would say his grandpa, but he's not his grandpa. So he, he's lost everything. Now, why does he deserve to die? I don't. But why does Harry have to be the one who makes the sacrifice? No, that's good. Characters should... will have to make sacrifices, but why does it have to be Harry? Hasn't he sacrificed enough? And no, that. But why would you create a character where you do nothing but make his entire life miserable and then you kill him at the end of the... Like, that's, that's not... But why Harry? Why can't somebody else... Why can't Snape sacrifice himself? Why can't other characters step up? We'll get into Snape. We'll get into Snape. We'll get into Snape. We'll 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 he, he, could, he could go peacefully. I think that's a big point to bring up. Now, hold on. I'm just on my Apple iPhone right here. What and I just bought yesterday, by the way. I just bought yesterday. I just, I just, hold on, wait, I, I was just kidding, I didn't, I wasn't trying to sound arrogant. I just want to quote something J.K. Rowling said, I'm on Mugman, and it looks great on that Apple iPhone. But anyway, I think Apple's paying him to say that. Yeah, they really are. She said, when I finished one chapter near the end, I absolutely had it had been planned for so long, I felt euphoria devastated. Yeah, well, she was completely destroyed when she finished this chapter she'd been writing, or she had planned for so long. This is, I think, the chapter she's, been, had, she's had planned since the beginning. Because she said for so long that she's had this one chapter for Book 7 finished before she even finished Stories for Stone. But that could just be because it's the final chapter of Harry Potter. It's not the final chapter. It's not the final chapter. Okay, well, right, but she feels, so, she feels such a strong to emotional attachment to this series because it's been exactly, her brainchild yeah. for so long. That doesn't necessarily mean you, that something bad happened in the final chapter. It could mean that... She finally, you know, it was like, wow, I'm actually done with this. I can't believe yeah. it. And I guess, but it's, it's something interesting to take into account when she's had it planned for so long, and yet it, she's, she's devastated. She, she absolutely howled. And it's emotional. It, I don't know if it could be a, the entire Harry having a good emotional, though, as well. You know, she's going to howl, as you put it, because, um, you know, right at the end, she spent all, all these years... <laughs> Um, you know, writing these books, it's going to be emotional whether she writes that Harry dies or lives because she's finished, she's done with it. That's, that's the end of her job, you know. Would that be funny, seeing her howl? I'd love to see her howl, yeah. <laughs> Has anyone else considered it? Perhaps Harry doesn't have to die, but maybe he'll have to make some type of sacrifice in another form. Like giving up his magic, I've heard that a lot. But, yeah. No. No. Olbermann was saying. No. Actually, no. that reminds me of uh, no, no. Emerson. Emerson might have already no. read the book or something because he seems to have it all no. figured out. <laughs> no, 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 he's not going to give up his magic. That would be like the most depressing end of the books I could ever see. But what no, if he he he's he's like that ending. ending? So much for your happy ending. I mean, who says that the books have to end happily? I, mean, I do. They do. Uh, I think Joe and I are best happen. friends, and you guys know that would be a fate. 
How's that state worse than death, though? Going from having magical powers to none. I'd write, you know, right. imagine knowing that world is out there and knowing everything you can do and then have, not being able to do anything. Kind of like filter, really, you know? Yeah, yeah. also, what about um, uh, Voldemort? I think, I think that perhaps that Voldemort won't die, but Dumbledore continually reminds Voldemort that there is a fate worse than death. So perhaps Voldemort's will lose his powers. Yeah. Will, he could perhaps lose his powers or maybe be kissed by a Dementor or something or other. Or be forced to work as a mobile janitor or something. <laughs> you just bring up a very interesting point. If he was kissed by the mentor, because obviously he only has a main soul in his, uh, in, in his body, what would happen to him? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't tried, tried it yet. <laughs> we do see Harry and Voldemort on the cover, the US cover, but dueling without wands. So maybe, maybe they don't have to lose their magic necessarily when it's having a fight. Well, 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 because of course, it's of course, not a fist fight. They're not having a fist right. fight. Because they can't do it because of priority in the bathroom. And um, for those of you who've seen the movie, you know how when Dumbledore and Baltimore were dueling, how it wasn't like it was just normal magic. It became this super advanced magic where it was almost like they were, they were battling with elements of the earth. And it was so much like they were beyond spells. Like spells are just so trivial. I have to say this because I keep making this point, but if anyone's seen... Pokemon, the first movie. Wait, do you know when uh, Mew and Mewtwo are battling right over the end, and they're throwing like these balls of elements and fire at each other? It was just like that. In, in the film. I thought I need to watch that. <laughs> yeah, but, but as I was saying, perhaps, perhaps Harry finally in this last book takes his magical ability to the next level, where he can actually survive a duel with Voldemort, where it's no longer the case where he's just a little kid who lucks out. I think we're finally going to see that. And book seven will be the book where Harry finally grows up and becomes a mature wizard because of Dumbledore gone. It's time for him to step up and take the reins. But the, so in our book, we put forth a theory that is that was at first extremely controversial and is still very controversial, but doesn't seem as quite the crackpot theory as it used to. Now, we think that on the night that Voldemort showed up at Godric's Hollow to kill Harry, we know that he planned to make a horcrux out of Harry's death. Now, when the Avada Kedavra spell backfired, what we think happened was the Horcrux spell that Voldemort prepared, or would have had prepared, was released and Harry was turned into an accidental Horcrux. Now, this is the part where a lot of you guys start going, those Mogul boys and their theories. Yeah, right last week, in a, it was like only a few days ago, we were in Los Angeles and we brought up this theory and we heard, no! <laughs> so, the reason why we think this happened, the crux of the theory. <laughs> He's so punny. He's so funny. <laughs> it's that Harry and Voldemort share this window in the mind connection that can't be explained by anything else that we've read in the book so far. There's no other theory to explain it. Now this connection that they share is the same connection that Voldemort and Nagini share. And Nagini is Voldemort's snake and a known... Now... When suspected, suspected Dumbledore, right. we think Dumbledore's right about this one because we need to trust Dumbledore. Yeah, we do. Now, when Harry is in the Department of Mysteries, he takes on the perspective when, when he's sorry, when he's having these visions and he imagines he's the snake fighting Arthur Weasley. Wouldn't it make sense then that the reason why Harry can see into the mind of Voldemort's snake is because all three of them share a piece of the same soul? They got soul. And also, I'd say that um, uh, when. Dumbledore said that Voldemort put a piece of himself inside Harry. It's we've never seen magical powers, an actual part of magical power, be transferred. So we think that he must be referring to the 
to a piece of soul. A piece of soul. Literally a piece of soul. Now, Voldemort and Harry share all these connections, all these similarities. They, again, can't be explained by anything that we've read in the books so far. They were both selected by Brother Wands. Uh, Harry can open up the Chamber of Secrets even though he's not the heir of Slytherin. When was the last time in the book somebody who wasn't the heir of Slytherin opened up the Chamber of Secrets? And also, everyone says it's because he was speaking Castle Tongue, but it was specifically said right. that because you have only the heir of Slytherin. Yeah. It was Ginny Weasley who opened it up, and she used the diary, which was a known war prize. Why would the Sorting Hat even consider putting Harry in Slytherin? Harry is the Gryffindor's Gryffindor. Who's ever Gryffindor to Gryffindor? <laughs> what was the Sorting Hat thinking? It must have seen something else. Yeah, Keith, Harry. Keith, what were you thinking? <laughs> Come on, Keith. I'm sorry. Um, Keith is a sorting hat, by the way. Um, something else Something else is interesting is, this isn't major evidence or anything, but in the divination class uh, um, in uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, Trani, of course, of course, is known for making crackpot predictions, and oftentimes she's really off her rocker, but she is a true seer, because after we see that she made two real prophecies, so we, and her grandmother was really famous or whatever, so we know that she is a true seer. And something that all seers can be able to do, or we said things make sense, is be able to, you know, tell simple things like birth dates and, you know, astro- based off your astrological sign and all of that. And when she looks at Harry in book three, she says, you were born during the winter months, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, actually, I was born in July. And recently, we learned on J.K. Rowling's website that Voldemort's birthday was New Year's Eve, which obviously is a winter month. So perhaps Trelawney was getting mixed signals because of this piece of soul inside Harry. Now, throughout the books, Voldemort has been driven by this single-minded desire to kill Harry. That's all he's concerned about, is just killing Harry. But then after the scene, in the fifth book, when he possesses Harry in the Department of Mysteries, after that moment in the books, he stops trying to kill him. He specifically instructs his death eaters not to harm Harry. Now, why would he do that unless he realized that there, was, that there was a piece of his own soul inside Harry which he needs to remove first before killing him? Now, many of you, I have a feeling the question would come, well, Emerson, you seem so confident that Harry's going to live. Now, how would it be possible for Harry to live if he's a horcrux? He'd have to destroy himself. I got you, Emerson. I got you right there. <laughs> well, sorry. You don't have Emerson. I have Maybe. I have Emerson. No. Maybe it's not just coincidence that J.K. Rowling happened to introduce creatures that are capable of sucking out a wizard's soul. Ooh. Yeah, but you can't sort of go up to them and request a soul sucking session. Yeah, no, you know what? Those matters are pretty horny for some soul, okay? Maybe they would, you know? Okay, yeah, for example, for example, I mean... If we know that the mentor usually sucks the soul out through the mouth, perhaps if Harry's scar is what denotes that he's a horcrux, perhaps, you know, just give him a little on the forehead. You know, it's take. Now, Dumbledore says something really strange to Harry after Harry is mourning the death of Sirius. Suffering like this, Harry, proves that you are still a man. <laughs> That's weird. Who says things like that? Dumbledore. You're still a man? Dumbledore see that there was something less than human inside of Harry, so that's why he was congratulating Harry for still being able to feel empathy. Now the crack on the ring after Dumbledore moves the Horcrux is the same shape as Harry's scar, the ring being also a known Horcrux. Ooh. Just keeps piling up, doesn't it, guys? Now, now, there are a few gray areas in the theory. For example, since we don't know exactly how a Horcrux is created, we can't exactly tell... Um, 
because that night in Gaza Tal, some people say, well, how can he go there intending to kill Harry, make a horcrux out of Harry's death, and Harry accidentally torn, turns into a horcrux? We don't know how it happened. We're just saying that it did because Slughorn's very vague about the process that you have to go through to make a horcrux. So we don't know if you mark the object beforehand. If I want to make this water bottle into a horcrux, do I kill Emerson first? Or do I kill him after? I mean, it just, we just don't know what exactly it takes. And um, at one of the events, there was this, uh, web, this website, like Red Robin Publications, Red Bird, Red Hen Publications or something, and they, they discussed about the Horcrux theory, about Harry being a Horcrux. And they're thinking that, like, that when you kill somebody... I'm sorry, this is my Apple I'm sorry, iPhone. this brand new Apple iPhone is ringing. Uh, let me just silent it. Entree. On that. No, Entree on that. No. So, where was I? It was, I was making a very good point. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're saying that, so Dumbledore says that when, some, when you kill somebody, your soul is split. Now, we think that you have to try to guide that piece of soul into something or other. I don't know how the Horcrux works, but no, so, he's no. a Horcrux. <laughs> he is boss. Uh, now, Arthur, Arthur Levine, who's actually had a chance to read the seventh book, he mentions that in the book, Harry is in a, quote, interesting position. <laughs> now, that can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. But wouldn't you consider having a piece of your arch enemy's soul inside you to be a no, that could be anything. Interesting position. No, we're just saying that 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 could fit. That would be interesting, definitely. But well, Andrew, thank you, Andrew. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. Well, I haven't heard your thoughts on the Horcrux theory. I've been dying to hear. What do you? Well, this is, this is the first time I'm involved in one of these manga book talks, and I'm pretty interested. But okay, seriously, what? how right are we? What? what? I, I don't know, Emerson, because I'm just thinking now that if Harry was a Horcrux, have you guys really explained yet how how this is going to be taken out taken out of him? Well, yeah, we talked about the demented thing with the soul sucking. But, but uh, I don't, we don't know specifically how the soul sucking. How are you going to get a Dementor to take it and out of Harry? And that seems, you'd have to like, tell what him. What are you going to do? You'd have to tell well, him. I'm going to take this first. Dementors love, love the soul. soul. They wouldn't be that much convincing. I can't do it. Just put the Dementor under the Imperius curse and say, suck soul. But let's do it. You'd have to tell him to get Voldemort's soul and not Harry's own soul as well. So. Right. And I don't think they're that sort of complicated creatures. They just do it. But you're not seeing the forest from the trees here. I mean, this is it, the fact that these creatures exist offers a lot of evidence that the reason that they, they specialize in exactly what Harry needs. So the specifics of, the, of how the soul would come out, we don't know. But it doesn't see, it's not outside the realm of possibility. They could find some way to get a Dementor to do what they do best and suck out a soul. There's actually an excellent piece of Yeah, yeah. And also, Harry has smart friends, like Hermione. I think Hermione, you know, was like, perhaps Dumbledore was a horcrux noob, and that's why his hand turned all black. I mean, perhaps he didn't know what he was doing, but 
And also, if you're really into fan fiction, read the Psychic Serpent Trilogy by Barb on Fiction Alley. That is good. Also, if you think about it, Wormtail still owes Harry a life debt. And Wormtail is always, you know, he's always creeping around looking for information he can use for his own benefit. Maybe Wormtail will pay off his life debt by telling Harry how he can move the Horcrux from inside him. It's just a thought. I'd say one, one final point. Why wouldn't he save Harry's life by doing that? One final point where it falls down slightly, but... Um, I don't know if it does because the same rules don't apply, but when he goes to Godric Tullock, he knows that the person who has the power to vanquish him is going to be there. So, and when he's talking to Slughorn, he says that seven is the most powerful magical number. So I'd have thought when you go to face the person, the only person who could possibly uh, you know, kill you and vanquish you, you would go there with, already with seven Horcruxes. But obviously the scenario that happened there is, you know, hadn't never ever been prescribed in, you know, right, the history, history books. So it could have been that a Horcrux was made because of, you know... Right, and Dumbledore said that the night Voldemort went to Goggle's Hollow, he was intending to make a Horcrux out of Harry's death, because what more of a significant death could it be than the person but, who was going to vanquish him? Oh, I agree, but... With the power. But you'd assume, if, if someone has the power to vanquish you, you'd assume that they had intense, you know, power of magic to, to, to kill you, and his defense against magical power is his seven Horcruxes. Because, you know, he can't be killed with that. So it's just a case of, you know, wearing down his, his opponents until he can. Because if he can't be killed, then the other person can't kill, can't kill him. So I'd have thought he'd go to Godric's Hollow already with the most amount of Horcruxes there to face his uh, archenemy. But saying that, um, I'm not sure, because uh, it is an important death, obviously. Right. Um, so some people say, you know, this theory, I mean, how can Harry, how can Voldemort just accidentally make a Horcrux? I mean, we, we know through the books that you have to mean your spell. But maybe, first of all, maybe it was a nonverbal spell. And also, Voldemort's soul, he just killed James Lily, so his soul would have already been split and ready to be directed into whatever object he chose. And at that point, he was casting a Vodacadabra, and Harry is the chosen one. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that that's how that's, the Horcrux was released and Harry was made into one. The reason why I think this stands is because he does have a, score, a scar on his forehead, which is the same as the one on the still, ring. It's never been explained. It's the same one on the ring. So, and what was it H- Hagrid told Harry back in Sorcerer's Stone? He said to him, uh, Voldemort left a mark on your forehead. That, but it was never really explained. Does Voldemort, ne- or Dumbledore? We think that Dumbledore might have had an idea that Harry is a Horcrux because we think some people say, well, why wouldn't Dumbledore reveal that information to Harry? Isn't that obviously something that would be useful to why him? Wouldn't it wouldn't though. But see, the problem is we think that Harry doesn't act very rationally. So, so you think he would kill we, we think that We think that Harry would, wouldn't think it through, would, would isolate himself from everybody and decide that, well, I have to go. You know, yeah. he, he would decide that... But isn't that he doesn't act rationally, it's just that he puts other people above himself, so he get rid of himself. But he, he also really doesn't act rationally. Like, he just kind of just runs head for, charges head first into danger in the way that any Gryffindor would. Um, but frankly, I mean, I'm not, I'm not hating on Harry here. I mean, we run a Harry Potter website, but if I was alive in the wizarding world right now, and I knew that the future of our species depended on Harry Potter defeating the Dark Lord, I wouldn't sleep soundly at night. And also look at book five, where Vol- or Dumbledore didn't want to talk to Harry about all of this because, because he didn't want to scare Harry. He didn't want to make Harry feel any worse than he already did. So imagine Dumbledore then telling him... It wasn't only like that, though, was that he had to isolate himself from Harry because Voldemort, he, think that, he thought that if he isolated himself from Harry, that Voldemort would be less interested in, in trying to control Harry's mind. 
that was part of it. But Dumbledore does only tell Harry information on a need-to-know basis. Every book, he sits him down and says, I'm going to tell you everything, and then he doesn't. So <laughs> I think Dumbledore knew what he was doing by not telling Harry he's a horcrux. Harry could do something very rash if he knew that there was a piece of his archenemy soul inside of him. He definitely would do it. You think he would do it, right? He's the hero. He wants to save the day. Yeah, of course. So I'll sacrifice myself. I'll apologize for Aunt Hermione and my. But if my you take the prophecy to be, you know, worded as it talks about Harry, then if he kills himself, then he couldn't then go on and defeat Voldemort. Well, well that's sorry. That's true. Well, I don't know because wouldn't the sword just go straight through his neck? And but if all six, but if all if all the Horcruxes are destroyed except for Harry, and then he has to kill himself, isn't he no, still no, defeating? He, he'd have to take Voldemort. Down, down with first, yeah. So yeah. like down first. Yeah. Oh, but <laughs> nowhere in the prophecy does nowhere in the prophecy does it say that one must live if the other survives. I mean, one must live if the other dies. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. So both could die, I and mean, that's not isn't like you. Have, one has to live, the other has to die. But enough horcruxiness. Well, no, in nine days isn't that isn't that weird? Huh? Well, no, in nine days isn't that weird? Can I move no, this you guys are wrong. Yeah, we're wrong. We're wrong. Blame us for making predictions like every other Harry Potter fan does. Seriously. Blame us for having behind this. So we, had, we, had, we had good evidence, though. I mean, you can't deny the evidence is there. It's just, there are a few gray areas. I, I can see it. I mean, the more and more we've done these book tours, it's almost like I've convinced myself more and more. Because yeah. I, I, at first, I was kind of, we were both kind of like, you know, we don't particularly subscribe to this theory, but... Uh, Harry might be a Horcrux for these reasons. And then by the end of our book tour, we were saying, yeah, he's definitely a Horcrux. Like, Don't you question me. Yeah, so our attitudes quickly evolved about Harry being a Horcrux. It's because we've now put this theory out in front of thousands of fans in cities all around the country, and we've never heard, and every time we do it, we usually get at least one more piece of evidence that supports the theory, and we've never heard anything that can actually that, that disprove, it. disprove the theory. So we've just added more and more evidence. We had, we had a few scares, though. We, had, we did an event in Paramus, New Jersey, uh, back in March, and this lady in the second row says, Yeah, and Half-Blood Prince Slughorn says that you have to mark that you, the Horcrux is made after the death. And we're like, Oh my gosh, we just published a book about this. <laughs> Whoops. And then we, then we whipped out the book, and we actually told her, You show us right now, you know, because she made an outrageous claim, and then she couldn't find it, so... Yeah, that was a scare. But. <laughs> Enough Horcruxes for right now. I want to I wanna bring out a point which uh, I think is the best theory I've ever, ever heard in my life. And I've been asking everyone about it just because it's so good. In the prophecy, it says, um, the one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches, yeah? As in, he, he, he approaches because he's being born soon. But right at that moment, Snake is walking towards the room uh, because obviously he overhears the, the prophecy. So I want to know what people think about it being Snape that has the power to vanquish the Dark Lord. I know, okay. Okay, you know, here's how, you hear me? here's how I think of it. I think of it in the sense that Harry is the one who ultimately is going to be, who's actually going to kill Voldemort, but I think that Snape is going to assist in that. And in hindsight, once we look at the prophecy, we're going to think, oh, Joe is hinting at this there. I don't actually think that Snape is the one who's born as a seven month okay. guys. Yeah. So wait. Right. At the end of it, just to show my complete lack of knowledge here. Right at the end of the prophecy, it says the one with the power to vanquish the world, Dark Lord is born as the seven month dies. Or approaches also. Sorry, as the seven month approaches. It says the born with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches, will be born as the seventh month dies. I don't know. Wasn't there I call a myself a fan. That said, 
wasn't there a theory that said approaches means someone who's actually walking? No, yeah, but that's what I said. Yeah, oh, just saying. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> My bad. Someone's out for lunch. <laughs> no, yeah, but... Okay, well, that's just completely shut down. But I still think it's so awesome. What do you guys think about Snape? Uh, how, about, how, about, how about this? How about this? How about show of hands? Show of hands. Yeah. Raise your hand if you think the Snape is working for Voldemort. Raise your hand if you think the Snape is working for the Order of the Phoenix. Raise your hand if you think Snape is working for himself. I was raise your hand. Raise your hand if you think Snape is working for the Giants. <laughs> raise your hand if you think the Snape is a huge slimy get, no matter who he's working for. Raise your hand if you're tired of raising your hand. Okay. Uh, I've always thought with Snape, he's like you've had two classes of people. You've had the amazing wizards and witches who, like you know, are above everyone. So you have Voldemort and Dumbledore, who you know. They can only face off against themselves because they're more powerful than anyone else. And then you have sort of like one class down, and in that class is Snape. Yeah. yeah, it's Snape. And I think Snape is the third most powerful. He's the third most powerful. Like all of the other teachers are, you know, they are powerful as well. But Snape is. Sorry. I think that's a scary thought. It is a scary thought, but he. I mean, he, he, he's working for himself. But if I assume everyone thinks here that Harry's going to win and Good is going to triumph over evil, right? Well, I hope you all think that. And I think Snape. Snape is perhaps. One of the most clever characters. He is, and powerful, because clever and powerful. if you think about it, I mean, if regardless of who he's been hoodwinking, whether it's the good side or the bad side, or if he's hoodwinking both of them at the same time, that's absolutely incredible because he's fooling two of the greatest wizards of all time. And if he managed to do that somehow, that's pretty amazing. But we think that in our book, we reached the conclusion that Snape is working for the Order of the Phoenix. Now, there's a scene when, when Dumbledore dies, and by the way, he is dead, okay? Just so you know, I don't want to hear anything about Dumbledore making horcruxes. I don't want to... I, we've heard it all, folks. So I quote J.K. Rowling. Dumbledore is definitely dead. You cannot wriggle around that. That is pretty explicit. Okay, so, so here's the scene. Dumbledore, he's laying there incapacitated. He basically... He's hosed. I mean, uh, there's Draco. And Draco's, Draco's task to kill him because earlier on in Half-Blood Prince... Um, we hear Narcissa Malfoy and Snape talking about his son's task and that Snape will have to carry it out. And of course, they make the unbreakable vow. So at that one crucial moment, when Draco proves that he is not a killer, sort of. He, 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 can't, he can't kill Dumbledore. Dumbledore doesn't have a wand. He just can't do it. And he pansies out. And finally, Snape steps in. And uh, Dumbledore turns to Snape and says, Severus, please. <laughs> Now, the first question we have to ask ourselves is why would, why would Dumbledore, a man who thinks death is nothing but the next great adventure, be begging his trusted friend for his life? He really wouldn't be doing that. He's too powerful to, to beg Dumbledore. And as you say, you know, death is just the next great adventure, so I can never see him doing that. But, you know, what we think is that he's saying, uh, you know, please, Severus, please do the task that... You, you, you were appointed to do. And also, if you remember earlier in the book, Hagrid overhears Snape and Dumbledore arguing, and they're like, and he's like, said Snape uh, was saying to Dumbledore that he didn't want him to keep taking him for granted, and that the task was, you know, bigger than... Well, you're saying that he didn't want to do it. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. So, then, so then in the scene where he's killed, you know, um, Dumbledore is saying, please, 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 do it, do the task you were supposed to do. And the look of utmost revulsion on Snape's face wasn't 
for Dumbledore, but it was for the task he was just about to perform. Dumbledore definitely knew that he was about to die. Yeah, he did. had to have that plan. There's no way a six-year wizard is going to keep Dumbledore from doing what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. How he wants to do it. I mean, at any moment, Dumbledore could have just just laid a smack down and said, Draco, I'm Dumbledore. You're not. And at the very least, Fox could have come and saved his life. There's no way Dumbledore didn't know he was about to die. Dumbledore's death served a purpose. This is the difference between J.K. Rowling killing Harry and killing Dumbledore. Dumbledore's death was crucial and also, for Harry's development. It, yeah. it was. And also, if you look to the scene in Order of the Phoenix when Dumbledore and, and the uh, Ministry Witches and Wizards are in his office, he can take down, you know, two outstanding auras. He can take down the, the Minister of Magic. <laughs> he can take down anyone he wants, basically. He's that cool. R- right. And something else that's interesting to point out is... In Half-Blood Prince, we learn that when Voldemort, Voldemort tried to apply to the school to teach defense against, dark, uh, defense against the dark arts, and he put a curse on the position. Now, why would Dumbledore assign Snape, finally let him have the position of the defense against the dark arts teacher, unless he knew that Snape was going to be leaving at the end of the year, and yeah. perhaps that Dumbledore was going to be, that he was going to be checking out himself? It's true, and you have to see Dumbledore's plan as a grandmaster plan. He thinks of everything. You know, I just think that everything he does and everything that happens, he knows about. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, if he wanted to, he could have stopped Draco and a few Death Eaters, you know. Like, Fenrir Greyback is scary to most people, but to Dumbledore, he's just another person who fears death, you know. And Dumbledore for, just sees the big picture. We, we, hear in, we hear in Sorcerer's Stone where, you know, he says he doesn't need a cloak to become invisible. Now, why couldn't he just become invisible right there and then do a barrel roll and just roll out of the way. Do a barrel roll! You know what I mean? He wouldn't even need, he wouldn't even need an invisibility cloak. So, I think he obviously could have gotten out of there if he wanted to. I think something's going to have to be explained very early on in the book about, about Snape. Because this whole time, Harry's going to want to be after Snape. Or some, somebody, somebody in the Order is going to have to explain to him, look, Snape is good for yeah. this specific reason. I can see Lupin. I can see Lupin. But yeah. what we're also uh, forgetting is that the sixth book is Snape's book, you know. It was named after Snape, yeah. so he's ridiculously important. Yeah. And that has to follow on. Sorry? I disagree with what my fellow Snape's just said, though, because Snape and, and not knowing is to create so much the great tension of the book that it won't happen Well, that's true. There will be a lot of tension, but you also have to think that if Harry, Harry's going to be want to be after Snape this whole time, especially if he makes himself known. Yeah, he knows he's got to work he does know that, but at the same time, there's, there's this guy who just killed Dumbledore. He's, 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 going going seeking, he's going to be seeking vengeance, but I don't think that's going to be like... what. He, yeah, he's not going to be driven by that. Right. He's going to be driven by the fact that this is it. You know, He has no one to lean on, and it's finally the time for him to step up yeah. and be a man. But I still think someone's <laughs> going to have to explain that Snape... Something has to be explained yeah, about Snape to comfort Harry that... Dumbledore asked him to do this. But does it, though? I mean, I don't think... I think I think it's going to be the, the one shocker moment when we finally find out Snape's true loyalty. I think it's going to come perhaps towards the end of the story, you know, in some type of battle where Snape steps in the way or finally stands up to Voldemort and says, no, no this isn't how it's going to be. Because, Ben, Harry assumes Snape is on Voldemort's side now. He, he, he doesn't know that it was part of Dumbledore's grand plan. So, right, I'm saying that's why Snape would step in at the end and reveal his true loyalty. But if that paths cross, if... Snape and Harry's paths cross. Harry's going to try to kill him. Right, and of course, I think Snape is going to win because, you know, it, he's... If, like, for example, if you look at the Occlumency scenes in Order of the Phoenix, it's just so obvious that it's like, 
you know, the master and the student, teacher and the student. It's so obvious. And I don't think that unless there was some odd, you know, Harry Lux out again, does some back, super backflip over the top of Snape, kicks him in the back of the head, then, then AKs him, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I think that Snape obviously would be the more experienced wizard in that yeah, case, and that he would get his way out of it. And like I said, I think it's going to be one moment in the book where Snape finally shows his true loyalty by either standing up for Voldemort and trying to do something, but I really think that it's going to be him. And also, if you go back away. to the um, Occlumency scenes, you know, when you first read it, you think, oh, Snape's just shouting at Harry. He doesn't really care. He just wants to get out of there. But if you read it more closely, he's, he's yeah, he's teaching him. He's really, really, he wants him to do well. He shouts at him because he can't get it. And he realizes how important it is that Harry learns Occlumency. And it, it really is. If you look at the developments in the uh, next book, you know, the whole... Um, Voldemort possessing uh, Harry thing. It's so important that he learns this thing. So Snape is actually worried. Right. And, and Snape had so many chances to out, like to just not act on anything. For example, we see in Order of the Phoenix when in the movie also when Snape is in, I mean, excuse me, when Harry is in Umbridge's office and Umbridge says, "Snape, give me your serum. I have used my last stores on so and so." And then he's getting ready to walk away, and Harry says. They have Padfoot at the place where it's hidden. I don't remember the line from the book. That's the line from the movie. And at that one moment, Snape could just say, you know, he could actually mean he has no idea what Harry's talking about and choose not to act on that because that's such a vague thing to say to somebody. How do we know that he knows exactly what he's talking about? And the fact that Snape acted upon that when he could have just done nothing, I mean, and there would have been no question about it, it to me, proves his loyalty. To, to Dumbledore and the Order. And when Dumbledore, after he tries to remove the, or as he removes the Horcrux from the ring, and he's near death, and Snape saves his life, Snape is, is you know, obviously the best potions master at Hogwarts, so he could have just pretended to do his best effort and then let him die anyway. Nobody would have been the wiser because nobody knows the potions like Snape does. Yeah. Snape's had so many opportunities to, to kill Harry, to bring him to Voldemort, to do whatever, and he never has. He saves Harry's life. Or he, he might abuse him, you know, mentally and verbally, but he doesn't, he, he doesn't, he's definitely not, he can't be working for Voldemort. He's had way too many opportunities. Yeah, and also you have to, you know, his life hasn't been perfect, and people haven't trusted him uh, after the whole, you know, Voldemort prophecy thing, um, and him being a death eater. So Dumbledore is the only person who's trusted him, and his life hasn't been perfect. So having that person in your life who is the only one who trusts you unconditionally, trusts you about everything, you know, it will be, it will take a tough man and a evil man to not, you know, to, to betray the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and, and for example, I think there's, we never really find out why, Snape, why Dumbledore trusts Snape, and I think that's something that's going to be revealed to us in this final book, is we're going to find out the real reason why, perhaps it has something to do with what happened to Gargis Hollow, something or another, and I just think that we will finally find out why Dumbledore trusts Snape so much, yeah. and then we will all trust Snape. And also... So, He's trusting Dumbledore, but he isn't stupid. So, like, on an issue like Snape, who could potentially swing the entire battle to Voldemort's side or to the good side, I don't think he's going to take any chances at all. So, he's sure of Snape's loyalty. As you say, it's, you know, there's going to be one thing which convinces us as well. There's going to be one thing that Snape did. Because I don't think, you know, Snape obviously should be extremely loyal to Dumbledore, and I don't think Dumbledore could ever take the risk of not really trusting him 100% at all. Couldn't that exactly be the case of, okay, sure, there's definitely a, a, a surefire reason why Dumbledore trusts Snape, but the reason, it could be the reason why Snape, Dumbledore, and Harry 
Well, no, Dumbledore trusts Snape a lot, right? So, say, now I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> Get back to me in a minute. Okay. Um, so, I think we've harped on Snape a little bit here. Um, I think now we'd like to open up the floor for questions. We want to hear what your thoughts are on the book, on book seven, and what, if you have any questions about what we think, also. What about them? Okay. I represent a small but growing number of mothers. We call ourselves Mothers Against Murdering Molly. Ma'am? <laughs> Can I join? Yeah. <laughs> we disagree with the books, your book's premise that Arthur and Molly are high on the Now, I have just one question for you before you say your thing. Now, is this Mothers Against Murdering Molly? Is this actually, I mean, are you just upset that, they might, that she might die, or do you honestly think that she's not going to? No, we honestly think she's not going to. Okay, I was just saying, like, if it's well, such a. No, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Even at a meeting yet? So, so do you have a, did you have a question? Do you, like, yeah, well, I'd like you to talk about that. Why I was. Mother, mother figure. She, right. She's always been a very interesting character. So that's why we disagree with the odds that you put on. She's been one of my favorite characters um, from book in books one, two, three, and four. But there was something she did in book five that annoyed me a lot, and I haven't really forgiven her. Do you remember um, when they were in the kitchen and her and Sirius were arguing, and she was like, um, you know. She, Sirius said, he's not your son, and then she was like, well, he's as good as, and then she was like, um, he's not James Sirius. And that really upset me, because he was my favorite character, Sirius, and I thought that was really mean of her. So I, uh, I, I don't like it now, too. There's actually a moment in, in the fifth movie, those of you've seen it, where, he, where Sirius says, good job, James, and like, yeah. it's, almost, yeah, yeah. it's almost like, it's almost a sad moment, because, you know, you know, he misses his friend, that type of thing. But in terms of, you know, I just think there are too many Weasleys for them to all to make it through unscathed. It's simple probability. There's only so many characters in the Order of the Phoenix on working against Voldemort, and half of them are Weasleys, so we have a first person walking out from our predictions. <laughs> They're a very vulnerable family, then. Yeah, but Molly, Molly, okay, for example, we see Molly, Molly shows some true vulnerability in Order of the Phoenix when... There's a scene with the bother when every when everybody drops dead, like she sees everybody being dead in front of her. Now something that's interesting, I forget where I read this, but the one character that we did not see dead in front of her was Jenny. And I have no idea why that could be, but it's just interesting that she fears the death of even Harry. She's, I, I don't know. It's just, but in some ways she's like Voldemort because she uh, she's scared of death, but completely different Voldemort because she's scared of the death of other people. Rather that could very well be just because, like, he, Harry only saw so many characters flash before her that she cares about. She could have just sit there doing it all day thinking about her barber, you know, and her dentist, too. <laughs> but she didn't want to die. And I, I just think that Molly... Mo, Molly would be a good character for death. I mean, she... I just think it would fit because... Because, because she, she's another... She's, out, she's going to be out there. Like, I think she'll be out there on the front line. I mean, she's a member of the Order. She's not going... She's going to be in harm's way. How... How powerful is she, though? 
See, that's the thing. We haven't, we haven't really seen her display her magical power. Now, now the fact that Ginny, in, in, in this fifth movie, we see Ginny just basically, in the Hall of Prophecy scene, she brings down the house. It's awesome. Yeah. And I think that Ginny had to get that from somewhere. And perhaps Molly shares some of the same qualities. Perhaps Molly is actually a very powerful witch that we haven't really seen yet. Oh, uh, Pruitt? Yeah. Yeah, the, the Pruitt. So, I think that, yeah, it would make sense. I'm, I don't know. It, it, I, I'm joining, ma'am. I think... Well, <laughs> sign me up right now. I think the point was proven, though. She's a parental figure, and Harry's losing all these parental figures. And if Molly did die, this would just make Harry, as if he's not already, but very much, much more angry. Now, personally, I think the catalyst for Harry... In book seven, I think in the opening... Harry's going to seem kind of lost, and it's going to be, he's not going to know exactly what to do, and the moment in the book, I think one of the first characters we're going to see die is Hagrid, and I think, no, just, just follow me, just follow me here, this is going to make the story very good, because, because Harry, Harry's going to be basically screwing around, you know, he's not going to have it together, and then at that one moment when Hagrid dies, Hagrid is the one who introduced him to the wizarding world. That is obviously going to be a very emotional death for him. And I think once that happens, that's going to be the catalyst that's going to make Harry finally say, you know what, no one's stopping me. And I could definitely see that happening. I don't know. I'd say that uh, the deaths so far and what happened in the sixth book are going to be enough. But I just I can't see Hagrid dying because he's just too, you know, in Order of the Phoenix when they're taking their owl exam, the spells just bounce just bounce off him, and uh, right to the end, in the sixth book, when uh, Snape is running away, he, he you know, Hagrid is, is, is a very powerful figure, even though he holds his one piece right, of the pink umbrella. I have a feeling someone's going to bring up the alchemy thing. Has anyone else read that about um, a black uh, Albus, and then Rubeus means red? So it's like, it's like a triangle? I don't know what it is, but it, it would just complete, like, the, the three things in alchemy if Rubeus was to die. Any question there? No, 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 she said that two characters that were originally slated for death, two characters that were going to live got are going to die now, and one got a reprieve. So, but she didn't say that those would be the only deaths in the book. Those are just the two that are guaranteed. She wasn't really that specific about it. She said that two characters that were originally. Um, going to uh, going to live now are going to die, and one character who is going to die is now going to live. Question over there? Yeah, um, I wonder if you have any theories about what the story is on Harry's eyes. He's been told again and again. Yeah. Even I was re-watching Chamber of Secrets film. There's a time when the basilisk is after him. He's not flat on the floor. The basilisk right behind him. You know what he does? He stops and picks up his glasses. Now, I wouldn't have done that. So, I don't know if we see, I think the thing about What's the glasses is that he has uh, he difficulty seeing, seeing so uh, maybe he has really bad vision and just can't but see. No, but uh, if you look at it from the perspective that nothing's a coincidence, that, you know, something we've learned through J.K. Rowling is that every kind of, every kind of detail, she does not waste words. Every kind of detail yeah. she puts <coughs> in the market is significant. What you find kind of odd is that in the wizard world, he would need glasses? Yeah, that is true, yeah. 
that's true, actually. Why would he need glasses? Why couldn't he just repair his eyes? I mean, I would, well, that's like saying, that's also like Why is there a war going on? Yeah, you think the magic... Well, yeah, or, can't or, solve or, or why do wizards have to go to the bathroom? Why isn't there a spell that... Well, they, yeah, I yeah. mean, even, 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 us, even, even us muggles can fix eye problems now with LASIK surgery yeah, and whatnot. So you think perhaps, wizards... Perhaps LASIK hasn't been introduced to... To Hogwarts, yeah. <laughs> what would Arthur Weasley think about LASIK surgery? <laughs> No, but what you were saying, though, about, about the, the connection to Harry's eyes and why they're important, we know it has something to do with love. Throughout the books, we see love is the power that Voldemort knows not. In the Department of Mysteries, that room they can't get in clearly is, is love. Uh, Harry's eyes being green is probably a sign of love that's falling within him because of the sacrifice that Lily made for him, which has kept him, even if he is a Horcrux or he's not a Horcrux, either way, it's kept him you know, good, kept his, it, it kept him real. And... The gleam, the gleam of triumph that Dumbledore has in the fourth book, when he finds out that Voldemort now has Harry's blood running through him, clearly also has to do with the fact that now Voldemort is vulnerable in a way that he never was before because he has this, this toxic substance running through him. So we don't know how it's all going to tie together, but we know that that's what it is. I'd say that the eyes are frequently referred to as the window to the soul. And after what we're talking about, Harry and his Horcrux uh, could be important yeah. in some yeah. way. True. Go ahead. Um, I think Snape's going to die because, um, well, he, Dumbledore had to lie to Keith Severus because Severus did something for Horcrux and had to leave. And then, and, and, and Dumbledore repeated that by saving Severus from <laughs> life, but by making him guilt, by making Snape guilt him, because Snape never allowed him to die, and Dumbledore didn't die. And now, Snape. Why is Snape that to Dumbledore? Oh, oh, wow. That, that's impressive. That's very impressive. So he has to save the day twice. That is a very good point. Very and good. something interesting about that is that, um, uh, you know, like you're saying, Dumbledore, Dumbledore talks about the life that's alive and how it literally ate Snape alive that, you know, that the fact that James saved his life, he absolutely hated that. And, you know, it would make sense for a, a wizard's life that to carry on, even though, even though Dumbledore's dead, I think, like you said, Snape would still owe a life that, in some way, to Dumbledore. And that could obviously be fulfilled by. And then also I'd say that Snape is a very loyal, very, you know, traditional values person, so I think he'd take a life there very, very seriously. Just then? Yeah. I think Dudley, see the thing is, I don't know, you said that Dudley had a life death to Harry for saving his mentors. Um, I don't think it makes sense, I don't think... Dudley's not a wizard, so I don't know. Yeah, the life, it only applies to wizards. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I read something about him gaining powers in later life. I can't remember where I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I don't know. Just that? How important do you think Ginny is going to be in 
lot. We've we discussed this a lot. Okay, How uh, important is Jenny going to be in book seven? Was a question. I've always thought she's going to be important not because she's powerful magically, because comparatively she's not, but she's, she's going to be the breaking point for, um, you know, Harry. Like, I saw this film a, a while ago where someone, and this is a ridiculous analogy, but this, this person's holding a gun at someone, and he doesn't want to kill them because he's a good person, but he sees in, like, a flashback the person who he's about to kill, killing his, one of his family members. Sorry? Sorry? Oh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Um, and then he shoots him. So I think it's going to be like that. You know, Harry, Harry would find it hard to be a killer, I think. Even with Voldemort, he's, you know, it, as Dumbledore says in book um, five, it isn't easy to kill. You know, not many people could kill. So, like, um, thank you. I can imagine um, Ginny, you know, being the sort of catalyst that breaks Harry and then turns him into an animal for the, like, the five minutes when he kills him. We had a lengthy uh, discussion on this in March when we did the little live podcast in England. And a lot of people were seeming to say that if if Ginny would die, if someone killed Ginny, that would be another breaking point for Harry. Because yeah. Harry's losing uh, a girl, I mean, yeah, basically, uh, someone who's very special to Harry. That would completely send him over the edge. Right. And to, to I think more. I think you know obviously um, love is the power that the Dark Lord knows, knows not. And you think or. Uh, you think? I think. Well, I think Ginny. Um, I think Ginny's going to be very significant because Dumbledore flat out tells Harry that he has to rely on his friend because without that support structure he has around him, he's nothing. And yeah. so he's going to need Ginny. Ginny's going to be very significant in the sense that he's going, to, you know, someone for Harry a shoulder to cry on, whatever he needs. There is yeah. It's a different kind of love as well, you know, with like, his love for her is more romantic, whereas for Dumbledore it's a, you know, paternal, sort of, you know, right. for guiding me to Sirius as a godfather. Sorry? Yeah, yeah. Right. Ooh. And if, and if love is the power that Arcord knows not, then perhaps, I can see the series, like, you know, Jamie mentioned that Harry isn't a killer. So perhaps the series could end in some way where Harry you know, gets to the final battle and Harry says, you know what? He's turned his back. I'm not going to do this. This isn't worth it. And then, and then, no, and then, and then Voldemort tries to kill Harry and rebounds again or something. Like, I can, and then she writes another that, 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 could go, that could go full circle. I mean, you, couldn't you see that just going yeah. full circle? That'd be great. I just figured it out. Question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. For, for anyone who didn't hear that, she said that uh, Ginny, they made a point in the fifth book that, sorry, in the, the fifth movie, that they had to cut out a lot of stuff and they kept making points that Ginny was ridiculously powerful, like in the Hall of Prophecies they were saying, you know, she did a spell and everything fell down, so... I just don't That's know if we can take point. the movie so literally, though. No, we can, though. No, hold on a second. We can, though, because in, in Order of the Phoenix, in the movie, there's already foreshadowing. You know, David Heyman, the producer of the films, is a big-time Harry Potter fan, and there's obvious foreshadowing of, Her of Harry and Ginny and Ron and Hermione. Ron and Hermione is a lot more obvious, but we see Harry and Ginny because when Harry goes to kiss Cho, Ginny kind of lingers behind, and we see Ginny look back, and then she finally leaves. So, you know... I've already, I've already had the privilege of seeing the movie twice, so I was able to pick up on more of these subtle things, and 
I think that the fact that Ginny, the fact that Ginny is so powerful, they wouldn't put that in there for no reason. Like they made a, they made a very distinct point of bringing that up. Also, who, who, else, who else noticed that uh, in, when when Sirius is showing Harry the black family tree, that they just happened to in the background have Arcturus there. Arcturus. J.K. Rowling had a lot to do with that scene. Yeah, that was completely. They sent J.K. Rowling sent the entire tree to them, so they made. it, I mean, you know, it could have been just a good camera angle that we saw. But either way, either way, the fact that it's on the tree and, and so prominent in the movie is more evidence that R.A.B. Not that we need more evidence at this point, but R.A.B. is Regulus Arcturus Black. Yeah. Yeah, I think we got consensus there, so we won't we won't stand this too long. Right to the back. Right, but you have to remember that what Harry said to Snape was so incredibly vague that per, that if Snape, Snape could have just pretended to not know anything, you know, like he says, when Umbridge says, "What, Severus? What is he talking about?" and then he turns and says, "I have no idea," you know. So he obviously had an idea, but if he could have played dumb, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, there were, he wouldn't have to answer to anybody about that because it was so vague the way that Harry put it that. You know, what if he really didn't understand? What if that was, you know, pig Latin in him? Okay, so perhaps Snape would have had to answer to somebody, but I don't think that that proves that he's evil. He, I, don't even, I don't even agree that he would have had to answer to somebody. He could have just, like Ben said, he could have just pretended not to know. And who knows, Harry could have died that night, or some other order, that mem- order, order members could have died. Like, a lot happened uh, that saved... I mean, the, the fact that he alerted the order, to me, is just a huge, huge clue. There's any number of ways he could have explained that away. Any number of ways. He could have just... If he would have done nothing, then Harry would have been, you know... 